Welcome back to the Arizona Wildlife Federation podcast and uh, happy 2023. This is our first show coming out with the start of the new year. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to another year of great guests and interesting topics. I hope you are too. Today's episode, in contrast to our last episode on Havelina Hunting with DJ Zora, we are doing a pretty short and sweet episode with uh, a reoccurring guest, Jim Strogen. And uh, yeah, the idea of this is to get you ready for the upcoming fishing season. Now, what I mean by that, you have heard me go on and on singing the pros of fly fishing. Doesn't mean that other types of fishing aren't great too. My other favorite type of fishing is catfishing, which has nothing to do with the fly rod in most cases. But boy, do I love fly fishing, and I talk about it all the time. And if I've inspired any of you uh, to, to get out there with a fly rod in hand and throw some flies at some fish, uh, but you aren't quite sure where or how to start, this is the episode for you. Uh, Jim offers uh, in-person on you know hands-on fly fishing course in Payson Arizona and uh, you know I've not only heard about this course from Jim I, I've heard the the praises sung for this course uh, from several other people um, it's an exceptional course Jim is going to tell you all about it in this episode and uh, yeah I would encourage you to uh, to go down there join up and you, you couldn't ask for a better instructor are, are anyone with more knowledge regarding fly fishing. So I, I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you take advantage of this, this fantastic class. And most importantly, I hope that you get out on the water uh, as much as you can in 2023. You know, Arizona, we're not known for our fishing necessarily. Uh, but with that said, if you're willing to put in a little effort, we have some exceptional opportunities to chase some exceptional fish. All right, before we head into that, though, I have a couple volunteer opportunities coming at you from the Arizona Elk Society. Let's see, we have Wild in the City coming up, and that is February 4th. Then, uh, in April, April following that, uh, the Mesa Banquet. Uh, I'm going to post links to where you can get details for that down below. I know Wild in the City is aimed at getting urban children uh, prepped up to get out in the field. So you're going to go down there and you're going to learn all kinds of stuff about hunting, wildlife, etc. So I will get those links down below in the show notes. Be sure and check those out and enjoy this episode with Jim Strogen. All right, folks, I am back here with a return guest, Jim Strogen. Um, if you have not listened, go back and listen to the podcast that Jim and I did on, on Lee's Ferry, uh, Grand Canyon Trout Fishery. It's an exceptional one. I promise you're going to learn a lot. You're going to enjoy it. Um, but Jim is not only, you know, a, a well-rounded, uh, fly fisherman and I want to say entomologist and, and general biologist. Um, he also, uh, is is a retired educator and runs some fly fishing education programs. And uh, I want to have Jim back to tell us all about those. So, Jim, before we get going, uh, you want to remind folks who you are and tell them a little bit about, about yourself? Sure. Uh, as Michael uh, said, I'm a, a retired educator. Um, 
I spent uh, 33 years in the public school system as a, as a teacher mm -hmm. and as a, a district administrator in curriculum and also as a um, building <coughs> assistant principal and principal. And um, most of that time was in the elementary level. Mm -hmm. um, that's where I did most of my teaching and that's where I was a principal at the elementary level. Um, the prior to that, what kind of got me going and uh, was I um, did kind of uh, school group tours at the Natural History Museum and the University of Michigan and uh, tree tours, uh, you know, around the campus and, and kind of engage with kids that mm -hmm. way. And, and while I was thinking I was going to become a fisheries biologist, which I ended up becoming for a short time um, when I got my master's in that, you know, my love was with the kids. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's what I ended up doing for, for most of my life. That um, fits nicely into what I'm doing in retirement, which is basically being able to teach kids in an after-school setting about fly fishing or teach adults, uh, like on Saturdays, about fly fishing. And then as president of the Gila Trout chapter of Trout Unlimited and a member of the Pace and Flycasters Club, um, we talk fishing all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, we try to engage others in, in enjoying our, our love for fly fishing. Awesome. That's great. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, and I had mentioned this to you last time we hung out. I had taught for uh, just three years, so just long enough to have an opinion, but not with not much weight behind it. Um, but And I've had hard jobs, you know. I, I worked in concrete for a long time, construction, uh, you know, all, all those small-town kid jobs, you know, when I was a young man. And but teaching was by far the hardest gig I ever had, um, and in my opinion, it's probably one of the most important um, professions in our society, um, and, and certainly is a, a pillar of our society as well. So, so I commend you for for those years you've been doing that. Thank it's you. Certainly, it was, an important. It was a lot job. of fun. Yep. Thank yep. you. All right. Well, Jim, uh, jump in. Tell us about these classes you do. Uh, well, I'll start with the um, the adult classes through Pace and Parks and Rec department okay and um, we initially did those as uh, when, when we first started those we, we basically started those as as part of an offering to our club members uh, and um, we decided to expand it because while we were helping new anglers to our club we really weren't getting new blood in into the system as, as well mm -hmm. as we as we could so by opening up to uh, Pace and Parks and Rec department um, it really, I mean, I, I typically have, you know, every, every time it's offered six to 10 or 12 people that oh, wow. sign up. So it's, it's something that's well received here in Payson. Um, we do have people that even come up from the Valley to, to mm -hmm. take part in it. But, um, basically the way that, uh, that I do that class is, uh, the morning part of the class typically depends on what the weather in Payson is going to be that day. Sometimes we have to flip flop the based on what, what rain's gonna do, but typically the morning session is kind of a, uh, a classroom session. I, I try to use one of the ramadas at Green Valley Lake if I can, mm -hmm. unless the weather's bad, otherwise then I might move to the library or something like that. And we start talking about some things that, you know, I think new people to fly fishing need to know about. Okay. So we will typically kind of compare um, a fly rod to a spinning rod and how they work differently um, how is it possible that you can cast something that's effectively weightless, you know, great distances, yeah. you know, how's, how can you do that? And we talk about how the mechanics of that works. 
Um, so that also means that we talk about fly reels, we talk about backing, we talk about fly line, we talk about leaders and tippet, and all these are foreign words to a new angler. So part of it is helping them understand what those terms mean and how you can apply that um, in your in your fishing. Why they why those things are important to you. Um, we spend a lot of time about talking about um, bugs, and in my case, I spend more of the time talking about the aquatic phases of the bugs than the, the phases that are flying around. Uh-huh. And the reason I do that is because the aquatic phases are, that's, that's what's in front, of, in front of the fish, you know, 90, 95% of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we will look at the bugs, and um, so I have a collection that I brought that I have from Tonto Creek, for example, mm-hmm. that are representative of all the creeks in the area. And I'll use that as an example to talk about the different bug varieties, even to the point where we'll talk about if a stream has a high number of mayflies, stoneflies, and caddisflies, you can tell within five minutes of looking at the bugs that that is a healthy cold water stream mm-hmm. that you're going to find trout in. If you don't find a lot of those bugs, you may not be finding a whole lot of trout. So yeah. um, we don't get into the scientific names of the bugs at all, but we just try to look at right. the size, shape, color. And then I talk quite a bit also about movement. So mm-hmm. when we do the June, so I do those classes in April, June, August, and October. Okay. And typically the June class, I try to open it up especially more to kids uh, because I, I typically would like to have a parent and a kid or a grandparent and a kid yeah. come to that class. And usually for that class, I'll go to Tonto Creek earlier in the morning and I'll pick up some live bugs so that the kids can see how those bugs move. And the importance to that for me from a fly fishing perspective is that movement is something that I try to imitate when I'm fly fishing. Mm-hmm. And I try to help people understand how they can do that um, as they're doing it. And we, we tip, when then in the afternoon session, we will practice that on Green Valley Lake. So the, the bugs are part of it, and then we match. I'll, I'll bring out my fly boxes, and I'll show them the flies that I have to kind of match these bugs. Uh-huh. And um, that gives them a sense not only of what the flies should look like that they might want to you know, use, but also a chance to look at a variety of fly boxes. Yes, I have probably too many fly boxes <laughs> you know, that, that I have, but by looking at those different fly boxes, I have some organized by location. Yeah. I have another box that is all dry flies. I have another box that is, I can find a fly for any purpose out of this box. <laughs> and so that kind of organization, I think, is helpful to a new angler sure. to understand as well. Yeah, it's funny. I hadn't thought about all this from that angle, um, you know, that, that very basic angle that, that I would probably gloss over, and that's why I wouldn't be good at this. But um, that's interesting. And one, one question, if you don't mind. You said typically when you do children, you like to have a child with an adult. Do you ever get kids just on their own? Well, I, I, I do um, a kids program that's separate. separate from Got that. It. So I'll, I'll okay. talk, let, me, let me finish with, the, okay. with the, the, this class. So we'll talk about rods, reels, and lines, backing, and leaders, but then we'll also talk about um, where to look for fish and why 
to look for them there. Um, we do um, several of the, we'll probably do like three important knots mm -hmm. with, with them just to kind of give them a sense of how to look for, how to do those knots, where you would use them as you're in fly fishing, and then obviously where you want to practice. You want to practice at your kitchen table. You probably want to look it up on YouTube and, yeah. and, and have that to follow so, through so with. So like a Bemini twist, that sort of thing? I don't, I don't do that. I, I do, I'm joking. I do a surgeon's knot. Yeah. I'll do a clinch knot. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll show them the blood knot. Mm -hmm. um, we'll do loop to loop. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we'll do the perfection yeah. knot. So. Well, yeah. I mean, if they have a clinch knot um, yep. for the, your fly to your tippet, then your uh, surgeons for your tippet to your leader. And loop to loop, we'll just go with that. Yeah. Um, you're good to go. Yeah. That's what I use. And then I, I typically give them out kind of a, a sheet that uh -huh. has what I typically think is important from an equipment standpoint. And I'll give them a, a, a listing of what I think are good wet flies and dry flies that they should have in their fly box. Okay. Awesome. Then the afternoon session, we will uh, spend catching, um, casting practice a little bit. I'll demonstrate. And then... Um, in the morning session, it's typically me. There might be one other person from the club that'll be there. But in the afternoon session, I really rely on the Pace and Flycasters and the Gila Trout chapter members to help me out in the afternoon. And we typically will have one coach for every two anglers. Mm -hmm. And that gives us the ability to say, these two people want to spend their time focused on learning how to catch. And it's, it's kind of a trip to them that they can't believe that they're going to be able to catch fish on a fly rod after a, a yeah. single day of, of trying it. There's other people that want to go back and uh, try to learn different kinds of cast to perfect the cast a little bit more. So having a coach dedicated to them for a couple hours is really a benefit to them. Awesome. But yeah, that, that sounds, I'd like, I'd like some of my wife. Um, Cause you, you know what it's like when you're trying to teach a significant other. Oh, yes. You're going to do a poor job, and they're not going to want to listen to you anyway. Um, so it's very helpful to like have, have outside instruction like that. But um, I'm determined to um, get her to a point where she enjoys fly fishing. Um, <laughs> and she promises and like when the kids are grown that, that she's going to get on board and we can do this stuff together. But <clears throat> until then, I got I got my boy, so I'm in good shape. But, but yeah, that would be a great opportunity for her. Great. And so that you, you alluded to kids <clears throat> and mm -hmm. um, what I do with kids um, here in Payson is um, this is we're going on the seventh year now of, of this program. But I started with um, the fourth and fifth graders at Julia Randall Elementary School, which is directly across from Green Valley Lake here in Payson. And, um, you know, it's like this is perfect. Why, you know, I've, I've got an opportunity to help kids learn about fly fishing and have a lake that they can walk to right across the street right. and put it right into practice. So um, we started with fourth and fifth graders and we did that um, that first spring. And we, we did, you know, a lot of the introductory classroom stuff once a week for the whole spring semester. But then the last um, uh, five or six weeks of, of the year, um, we went to the lake and they were catching crappie and bluegill like crazy on a fly rod. Oh, that's and great. having a great time. And, and the nice thing about that was um, part of one of the classes that we do in, in, in the, with the kids is we um, make lanyards. Mm -hmm. And then um, we typically trick out those lanyards with uh, 
clippers, uh, um, uh, a fly box yeah. uh, filled with flies that um, our club members tie for them, uh, tippet material, uh, a wipe rag, um, um, hemostats, uh -huh. and they're good to go. And I bet they love that. And then I, I keep them for those four or five weeks that we fish as a class, and then at the end of the session, they get to keep them. Uh -huh. And um, then we also um, typically will um, have the ability to loan out fly rods to folks, to kids that have been in the program, so that if they want to mm -hmm. borrow them over the summer, they they can do that and kind continue their their process. But one of the one of the real thrills for me is that through this program. So I started with with fourth and fifth graders, um, but I ended up needing to go to the middle school because I had kids in the middle school that were basically saying. Can we fly fish, Dr. Sturgeon? Can we can we fly fish? Uh -huh. And so I added the program so that we did it in the middle school too. And I've had kids that have um, been involved in the program for four years. And I even have some kids in the high school that are coming back to me now and helping out with my middle school kids. That's that's how you and, know you and, have and a kind of and kind of coaching. There. So yeah. that's it's been a lot that's of fun. That's great. Yeah, see them come full circle like that. Yeah. Um, and then so the the, the the spring semester typically is kind of the intro uh -huh. um, semester for the kids. And then the the fall semester, so we'll, we'll be starting that um, the first week in September through December, um, will be basically a fly tying semester. Okay. So we will tie for two sessions, and then we'll try out our creations, see how the fish liked them for the third Session, right. third session, and then just repeat that throughout the uh, the, the semester. Uh, back in uh, 2019, so you know, pre-COVID, we um, we added a a conservation element to the program. Okay, and we um, <clears throat> built um, 15 fish structures, and um, with the help of the uh, Arizona Game and Fish Department, who kind of helped helped us. They did a couple of things. They they kind of gave me the advice about what to, thank you, um, gave me advice as to what structures would would work so that kids could build them. Okay. And they also came in and talked about the importance of fish structures to the kids, and then they helped us with the initial build. Yeah. And then the Pace and Water Department actually, you know, paid for the structures because they needed they were looking to do some improvements to the lake and that project fit the bill nicely and then they deployed them for us into the lake so uh, if you come to green valley lake um, look for those buoys out in the big lake yeah and there's three structures by each of those buoys that um the any any there's not too many catfish in the lake but the bass and the catfish will kind of be under those structures that, that stand about four or five feet tall on the bottom of the lake mm -hmm. and then the crappies tend to uh make a christmas tree above them yeah. Um, so it's it's a good place to to look for them. Now, from a kid's perspective, they understand that they can't reach them with their fly rods when they're out that far. But yeah. they appreciate the fact that part of the life cycle of the fish is they will come in to spawn and be very close to where they can catch them. So they see the the benefit not only from a conservation standpoint to help fish, but from a, a little bit of a selfish standpoint is there's more fish for them to catch if they're having a place to 
hang out with in the middle of the lake. And we put those structures by the uh, bubblers and, and the fountains out there so that they have better access to um, dissolved oxygen while they're out there. So we did that in 2019, and we're gearing up to do that again this spring uh, as well. And we'll put in uh, uh, some more structures in the lake, and we might put uh, uh, some in uh, Lake 2, the smallest lake as okay. well. Yeah. Are those those two lakes that kind of sit up? The the, the yeah, there's actually three lakes, three okay. lakes here at Green Valley. Um, lake 1 is where the water comes in from the American Gulch, and it typically is kind of typically more muddy than the other ones. Get, mm -hmm. Gets a lot of debris that kind of comes in there. It also is where water is delivered from the water treatment plant. Mm -hmm. And then that feeds into Lake 2 and to Lake 3. Uh, lake 2 is, from a fly fishing perspective, is kind of a fun lake for me because you can almost cast to the entire lake with a fly rod. So you can cover a lot of water on Lake 2. Mm -hmm. um, the kids typically, when we fish with the kids, will typically fish Lake 3. Uh, it seems to have um, consistently uh, more more fish that, the, gotcha. that are available for the fish to, for the kids well, to catch. Which is important when you're fishing yep. with kids, yeah. Well, that's great. It sounds like you cover basically all aspects, the basic, basics of gear. You even throw in some crafts with the, the making of the lanyard, which I bet is just a hit. Um, conservation, ecology. Uh, yeah, the, the, the whole whole thing. That, that's just fantastic. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and, you know, like I said, the, the, the idea that they want to come back, yeah. you know, that, that means a lot to me. That's important. So how, how do folks get, I mean, if, if somebody wants to do this, how, how do they find out about it? How do they get involved? Um, if, if you don't mind, cost, what does this cost? Um, the, the kids' programs through Julie Randall and Rim Country Middle School, mm -hmm. I, um, it's nominal. I mean, it might be five bucks. It might. It, it depends on okay. what the school decides to charge. I don't think they charge any more than five bucks That's for the great. whole semester. Um, and um, we get a lot of support from this. So we get support from the school mm -hmm. in terms of some of the equipment. We get support from the Mogollon Sporting Association okay. uh, for some of the equipment that we've used. So they has they have helped us with some some. Uh, like they they purchased the the fly tying vices that we use for the fly tying section, they purchased the initial set of fly tying material for us. Um, we have rods that are, rod outfits that are ready that um, the school MSA and Payson Flycasters Hela Trout have paid for that the kids can use. So there's nothing that the kids need to have in order to participate. Mm -hmm. um, then the 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 adult class through Parks and Rec, there is a fee for that. Um, you'd have to look online for that. I think, I think the uh, adult intro class I think runs about twenty dollars. Oh, well that, that's and very then, very reasonable. And then the fly tying class, which is four separate sessions, uh, that I think runs thirty because it also includes materials. Okay, could you talk a little bit more about that fly tying class? Mm -hmm. I'd be interested to hear more yeah. about that. Um, we typically, we, we've been doing that in the library. Mm -hmm. And um, we will basically start off with some simple flies. We might start off with, um, uh, I mean, a typical fly that I'll start off with is, is kind of a San Juan worm. Mm -hmm. Just to get some of the basic ties sure. down. Then we'll move into um, something like zebra midges or, or brassies. Um, we'll do woolly buggers. Um, 
Uh, we'll do Griffiths Nat. You know, we'll do we'll do probably about uh, five or six different patterns, and the idea is for them to start off and then build on their skill level yeah. with each class that they come in with. And then, you know, all of the flies that we use, they can use here at Green Valley Lake or, you know, the, the streams around here mm-hmm. and be quite successful. And, and, and they, uh, you know, the, the folks that participate in that also typically then um, find that, you know, they are then looking for an outlet for people that, want to fly fish so sometimes they may not be members of the the club and they and they realize hey there's a group of people that like to do what i'm getting engaged in here and they'll they'll join us in that in that regard yeah yeah i want to i want to put it out there also um that classes like these it, it does more than simply teach people how to fly fish or tie flies it gets people engaged in the outdoors it gets people engaged with these, you know, aquatic ecosystems um, that, that are so important here in the desert southwest, especially. And in what it comes down to is, if folks are not engaged, if they're not enjoying this stuff, nobody cares. People love what they understand, you know. Um, so, so the this kind of work, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Matters. It, it matters. It's not just. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> That's why I do it. But, uh, you know. I've spent my life uh, in in conservation or in wildlife or in biology and some some avenue of that, and it all comes from my introduction to the outdoors mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Um, so it's important stuff. I, I think it matters, um, and you can have a hell of a lot of fun along the yeah. way too. So one of the our club and chapter we meet together, and we meet the last Saturday of every month. Mm-hmm. Um, the meeting starts at nine o'clock at. Chinese restaurant here in Payson. Okay. Um, we typically start to arrive about 8 or 8.15 for breakfast or coffee and to kind of get the latest intel on yeah. on fishing. And then the meeting uh, typically starts at 9. But, you know, it's important that the, the Payson Flycasters Club, I would say, has more of a focus on fishing activities mm-hmm. uh, and then maybe fly tying activities, whereas the Gila Trout chapter tends to focus more on the conservation yep. aspect of, of it. So the fact that we're together, you know, and we have many of our members that are both fly casting members and Gila Trout members allows us to cover quite a bit of ground. Yeah. And, um, you know, kind of kind of alluding to what you're saying there is, you know, my, my experience with fly fishers is that they, as a group, tend to have a great deal of interest in cold, clean water, you know, selfishly because they like to fish for trout. Mm-hmm. But that also means that they care about it enough to try to do things that we're going to conserve and to make and to improve those conditions so that the forest is better and the streams are better. Mm-hmm. And that obviously plays into the TU side of side of things. All right. Another interesting thing, I think, with fly fishers that, that I've, and I will see if this, happen, this has happened to do with you, Michael, but... Um, it's, it's the norm for me as I approach a fly fisher and we start having a conversation, they will immediately tell me what flies they've been using that have been successful. Uh And, you know, and I will do the same. And it's like, if I don't have that fly, it's completely normal for them to pull a couple out of their box and give it to me. And it's not like... 
we're in a competitive mode. We are part of a club yeah, yeah, that, that a enjoys club, this. It's a shared resource yeah. um, that we all value. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, typically it's, it's fun to run into one another yeah. within reason. Sometimes yeah. there are going to be too yeah, many. Yeah. Another, <laughs> I think another part of that that I think um, I, I particularly subscribe to that I think is important is I think it's important for us to understand that we have responsibility to mentor others. Mm-hmm. And it's so much fun to fly fish. And it really isn't that difficult. And, you know, I think people... People make it. Yeah, I mean, they, they think it's difficult. Yeah. Or or they, they've they looked at uh, a river runs through with Brad Pitt and they think, oh my God, there's no way in the world that <laughs> I, will, I will ever cast that way. I don't even want to try. Yeah, because it's, it's not real. Right, <laughs> and, and when I show them, they, they can... They can have three feet of fly line out and and yeah. catch a lot of fish. It simplifies things for them, right. and they think, well, I can I can build on that. Yeah, and uh, so that's that's kind of a fun that I I think that's that's the responsibility that I take seriously. Yeah, and to the point that you know when I in our in our club, you know, one of the uh, things that I offer to our club members is um, every year I will I will do <coughs> field trips to the East Verde to Tonto Creek, to Upper Christopher Creek, and I'll show them where I typically fish and why I fish where I fish, how I approach those sections of the stream, why I approach it that way, so that for new anglers, it's it's yeah. It's not rocket science. It's, yeah, there's, sure, there's a strategy. Curve, yeah. For sure. Yeah, and I'll, I'll speak to the fact that the last time I, I met you, uh, and, and we got to fish together. You showed, I mean, you, you, you showed me the entire fishery. You, you showed me all the best holes um, and how you approach them uh, and how you fish them. So yeah, that whole snooty fly fisher, you know, dressed in tweed, smoking a pipe with a, a, a creel on his side that that's, I'm, I'm sure that exists somewhere, but I don't know that person. Um, everyone I know is just excited. They're excited about this cause it's so much fun. Um, Every you know. fish feels better, bigger on a fly run. Man, I tell people <laughs> this all the time. It's like, I don't fly fish because I think fly fishing is superior to traditional. My, my other favorite type of fishing is calf fishing with a rod and reel and bait, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but catching a fish on a fly rod is just so much more fun. I, I would take one fish on a fly rod than 10 unconventional equipment. Um, and I don't know how to convince people any better than that it's just that much fun um and there's something about you know a dry fly a, a trout rising to a dry fly is a thrill um stripping the streamer and having that hard stop oh god um and and then even just you know getting in that zen-like state where you're you're just so focused on an indicator that everything else in the world goes away that, that that's a comment that i mean the, the last class that i that i taught I, I got that from the two people that I was working with in, in the in the catching section of the day, and they were just amazed how much focus <clears throat> they were engaged in with watching the indicator, and how relaxing that was to them. Yeah, to be able to do that, and you know, they were just absolutely loving it. Um, I am I am very much a you know my favorite kind of fishing is small stream fishing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's because I grew up doing that as a kid, but um, that's where I feel the most at home. But one of the joys of small stream fishing for me is, is the challenging cast that it presents. Yeah. 
So, you know, you mentioned when we fished together last, you know, that we were put into some difficult casting situations to get our fly in a pinpointed area. Oh, yeah. And that's a blast. It I mean, is. we were doing some bow and arrow stuff. casting. It's, it can be really frustrating, too. Yeah. But, but we, it's so much fun. We were doing some bow and arrow casting and roll casting. And, and um, you know, we were, uh, you know, in occasion we were able to do an overhead, overhead cast. But, you know, the idea that we would sometimes have to do a sidearm, uh, we would sometimes have to engage under a tree or through mm -hmm. a tree or something like that, that's a blast, yeah. and, that, and, and that really adds to the sport to me. Yeah. You know, on the same trip, I told you about um, my introduction to fly fishing, was, which was my mom bringing me home a, a fly reel from a yard sale that didn't, it didn't have a handle on it, but it did have a fly line. And then I attached that to about a five-and-a-half-foot fiberglass spinning rod with a the handle broken off and that was my fly rod for years and i would i would make my own flies out of like carpet fibers you know um, and yarn and stuff i'd find around the house um and uh and while i i i find a lot of value in that in the way i did it i, I can't imagine uh what it would have been like uh for a kid like me to have access to classes like you offer it would it would have been just life-changing i'm sure <laughs> completely changed i don't know if it would have changed my direction because my direction would probably just stay the same <laughs> i'd have got here a lot quicker though i think one of the conversations that we had during during that trip too that i recall was um you know fly selection and you know i talked about the value of looking at the bugs and you said you know i got this handful of flies that work for me and i'll probably use them anywhere and that kind of took me back to when i first learned how to fly fish from my uncle when I was about 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And his fly was uh, a Coachman wet fly. Yeah. And the beauty of that fly from, from a fishing standpoint is it's made out of peacock curl. So underneath, you know, if a fish looks at it up, looking up, it looks like a bug. Mm -hmm. But from a fisherman's perspective, that white wing of the, of the Coachman makes it stand out in the stream bottom yeah, so you can yeah. track that thing anywhere but i that that was his go-to fly that i've i never saw him use anything it's a, it's else it's a beautiful fly and i haven't even thought about that fly yeah. in years and and so that's the only fly i ever saw him use and for probably the first 15 years of of my fly fishing that's the only yeah. fly that i used and i kept catching fish right yeah yeah we do overthink the fly pattern thing yeah. i'm a firm believer in that yeah. and but it's fun it's fun to overthink mm -hmm. that stuff you know um but yeah I, i'm pretty simple on my fly selection but i think i think soft tackles and wet flies are kind of making a comeback these days mm -hmm. more people are talking about them i think more people are fishing them i haven't jumped on the bandwagon i do fish some soft tackles sometimes but uh yeah you get kind of stuck in your rut um and uh, it's, it's good to fish with other people because you learn new techniques and, and and think about things differently well what, what are we leaving out here jim uh, what, uh, what else have you got going on? He's clearly a busy man with a lot of irons in the fire. Um, I, th I think one of the things that we, um, as our uh, Gila Trout chapter, mm -hmm. we are engaged in a lot of conservation projects. Okay. And um, some of those are stream, are stream improvement related. So um, we helped fund some of the East Verde River stream improvements. Um, we um, weren't able to help with that. That was more of a, a contractor thing with an excavator and, and you know, big heavy equipment right. moving logs and, and big boulders and stuff. <clears throat> but we were able to, as a club, uh, put
put some of the willows saplings in to help the stream. Then that project kind of extended to the Upper East Verde, and um, our chapter, along with uh, Zane Gray and Old Pueblo chapters, um, cranked out in a, in a, in a day with um, obviously the great support and, and planning that was done by Game and Fish and U.S. Forest U.S. Fish, US Forest Service and uh, Natural Channel Design. Um, we improved a 200-foot section of the Upper East Verde by hauling these massive logs and making some four chevrons that basically took a sheer bedrock, couple inches deep creek into some significantly deeper pools that provided uh, places for bugs to start to grow and yeah. for fish to hide. Um, we spent a lot of time as a chapter uh, supporting recreational fishing for um, uh, Gila trout and Apache trout. So we um, have um, find ways to donate funds for the equipment that's needed for those specialized programs at Tonic Creek Hatchery and uh, Canyon Creek Hatchery for uh, in Tonto, it's the Apache, and uh, at Canyon Creek, it's the Gila Trout Program. Um, we've also been able to help um, uh, access funds for uh, improvements on Dude Creek mm -hmm. for uh, the native recovery population. So awesome. we do that um, through um, education, we do that for, through awareness, and we do that through um, uh, raising funds through our chapter. So. Um, you know, there's a way that if people are interested in helping improve the the ability to catch recreational healers or Apaches, mm -hmm. um, they can donate and get a you know some a tax benefit from that because we are a five hundred one c three. Yeah. Um, and um, so if if you went to uh, 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 heal a trout, and you'd be able to find us under that and. Okay. And um, we'd be able to help you, basically, um, if you wanted to donate. We have um, uh, pins that say, I support Apache trout, our state fish. I support um, Gila trout in rim country. That basically, um, if you if you wanted those pins, that would be a, a $25 donation oh, cool. to support those yeah. programs. Um, we've got mugs. We've got uh, paintings of Gila's and, and Apaches. And, and all that stuff would go to... Um, some of our efforts in conservation. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I'm a fan and and long term member of Trout Unlimited, and you know, Trout Unlimited has chapters all over the world. World, well, listen to me, all over the country. Um, so there's no excuse for not getting out there and getting involved with Trout Unlimited. Um, they do a lot of good work, uh, not just on the ground habitat, but you know, uh, us here at the Arizona Wildlife Federation. Me personally, I work with Trout Unlimited a lot in the legislature. Um, you know that that not fun stuff that nobody wants to engage in, but it's very important. Absolutely, you know, Trout critically Unlimited important. is there fighting those fights alongside with us. So, and then uh, so then there's Pace and Flycasters, um, and I guess that would be a simple Google search. Look them up, mm -hmm. and yeah, and, and join, join up with them. And that sounds like a lot of fun. Go have coffee yeah. with you guys, talk fishing. Um, Heal a Trout Unlimited, and then one more time, tell us about uh, where where folks find your classes again. Just so they don't have to go back and listen. Uh, Paceandrimcountry.com. Okay, got it. All right, Jim. That's awesome. Good work. Good. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, take care, sir. Thank you. I've said it before, and I will say it again, that Jim Strogen is one exceptional human being. Uh, he is not only 
very knowledgeable, but he is an excellent instructor and he is one hell of a fly fisherman. So, so don't miss your opportunity to join up for one of these classes and learn from Jim directly. Whether you're new to fly fishing or you've been at it for a while, I promise you're going to learn something new. I hope that 2023 sees all of you out in the field and on the water. You know, whether that's chasing critters with a rifle or a shotgun or a pair of binoculars and a field guide or a spinning rod or a fly rod or just camping, paddling, hiking, and enjoying this amazingly diverse Arizona landscape. We are certainly lucky to live in a place like this. Also, with 2023, the Arizona Wildlife Federation will be celebrating its centennial birthday. So, let that sink in for a second. That's 100 years of fighting for wildlife, wild places, public lands, and your access to all of it. Pretty amazing. One of many reasons I'm proud to work for this great organization. Well, with that, feel free to always jump in, throw some support to the Arizona Wildlife Federation. You know, with that support, you can get our quarterly magazine as well. And don't forget to write in to me in the coming year, giving me your ideas for podcast shows and guests. I love doing recommended shows. Makes me feel like I'm giving you what you want. With that, I have got a Dutch oven full of mule deer braising in the oven. I got guests coming over in a little while to celebrate the new year. I I certainly hope this is a special year for all of you. And I hope to see you in the field. We will see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening.